Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Ilona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. The challenge for us as songs is how much we can pull them out without wanting them to go back to nap a cab, yes, <laughs> as it were. And, and it's the same all over the world. So when we're tr- when we're trying to get our customers closer to a different wine, it's trying to find out how much we can pull them out of their comfort zone without um, scaring them. Yes. Mm. And it's such an interesting conversation about the profession of a sommelier. You touched upon some of the qualities while you were telling the story about the dialogue between a sommelier and a guest. Clearly, some of the key qualities are active listening, having that background knowledge that you can apply to an individual dining experience. Mm-hmm. All of that takes a lot of skill, a lot of intent, mm-hmm. a lot of care. Mm-hmm. And the sommelier profession has become quite popular because it's now associated with glamour. Mm-hmm. What is your take on the world of Psalms as it is today? Wow. We, from from somebody who now has a credential and I'm nearly 12 years into having that credential, mm-hmm. that I'm, part of it's a little bit scary, oh. part of it's rewarding. There are two things that I have to say. Number one is people who want to become a sommelier have to question why. Do you want to be the best sommelier you can be and therefore um, enjoy selling wine to people, introducing them to things um, and getting immense satisfaction out of doing that? Or are you somebody who wants a piece of paper to say you passed an exam? And if you're the person that wants the piece of paper to say that, oh, I achieved that, your journey is going to be a lot tougher and you probably won't end up being a true sommelier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm seeing that because the talent, and this is the other part of the answer, is that the, there are some people out there who are immensely talented at a very young age mm. and they get it very quickly and they figure out how their nose works and how their palate works and, the, and they're great readers and they can absorb information mm-hmm. and so they suddenly become challenged that, well, I'm, this ex- these exams are actually not as difficult as I thought because they're very smart people and they've figured out the physicality of wine along the way. From my perspective, we have to ensure those people remain humble and true to the profession. They might be in the wrong profession if they can't um, hold on to those two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Humility is part of the job. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Um, again, there's two sides to every story. A movie like Psalm is very important as a communication tools, you know, and other television shows mm. that follow the journeys of the mm. masses of is how yeah. grueling that process is. But it also, again, glamorizes that profession. So I attended the Psalm Summit for what it's worth at the CIA a couple of years ago, and there were questions from younger uh, Psalms in training of, what is the shortcut essentially? How do I become that famous person that drinks well and socializes well and everybody recognizes as somebody? And mm. you're basically saying there's no place for that. Your ego should be checked at the door. It should be about servicing 
the guests. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Absolutely, hundred percent correct. And it takes it takes a while for some people to come to that realization. They have to come to that realization themselves. Themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like me when I left school. I came back to education when I was ready. When all of the other elements of my life. Um, had provided those answers, now the pathway to my future was set. Mm -hmm. I came back to it when I was ready. I didn't, n I needed to learn that there are no shortcuts in my own way and in my own time. And there wasn't anybody on the planet that, were gonna, that was going to tell me otherwise. I had to learn it myself. I guess it's a male thing, I don't know. There are no shortcuts in the world of Somalia. I think it's such an important message. And the fact that you have now, you know, the world admiration in many ways, and justly so. Um, you describe, you know, a life that includes a lot of um, interactions with some of the top personalities in the wine and food world. Mm -hmm. You know, travel, friendships, great wine. I mean, it sounds like a page out of a novel. It sounds very beautiful. But what's behind it is a whole lot of hard work and dedication and sleepless nights and probably some adversity. What was the toughest moment for you? What was, if there was such a thing as, what is going on? Am I really doing this? What am I doing? You know, any of the soul searching questions. I think the tough, the, there were several very, very tough moments where failure, learning that failure is part of the journey and failure is such a terrible word, but it, 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 it applies that you work so hard, you are a good taster. When you go into these exams, you are a great taster. Mm -hmm. You know a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're controlling wineless, you're managing people. You know the job, mm -hmm. and then you don't pass. It's gotta be that, that is a killer, and you have to be able to... Um, and saying this is very tough as well you have to be able to give yourself 24 48 hours of self-pity mm. and what wallow in that for as short a time as possible mm -hmm. and then you have to look in the mirror and say what do you want mm. i want i want to i want to continue to be the best sommelier i can take that pathway and the credential will come with it don't if you punish yourself because you couldn't remember, you know, um, the five sub-regions of Chateauneuf de Pape, and damn it, they asked that in the <laughs> test and I couldn't remember because of the pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then you have to, in some ways, figure out how you learn again, so that you're remembering these things and you will you will pass. That is such a great life lesson that's trans translatable to anything, really. Mm. Wallow in self-pity, give yourself the opportunity to feel sorry for yourself, but then move on and keep your eye on the prize. And yeah, the prize is yeah. what you want. Yeah. Mm. Um, we all define success perhaps differently or slightly differently. What is your definition of success? Being able, um, knowing that I can get out of bed tomorrow and be happy about driving to work, That's looking great. after people, 
uh, I'm very well aware that I probably will never retire and that's okay because I don't believe in retirement anyway it's just winding one thing down in favor of winding something else up yeah that to me that's part of life um, success is what you make it Mm. And how how you see the world and and the people that you surround yourself with, you know, the the family is the number one important thing in my world, number one, and uh, um, seeing them happy and surprising them and doing things for them that's that to me that's success as well. Not everything has to be based on your career and what you're doing, but that's my career fortunately has created so many opportunities through hard work and perseverance Mm -hmm. and being able to you know wallow in self-pity for a very short period of time and then just figure out a figure out a way to move on move forward sometimes it's letting go of some people in your circle that are holding you back Mm -hmm. very important and saying you know i love you but you're over there now our circles are moving apart Mm -hmm. and by letting some things go is a great release and a great release allows you to move forward you know a case in point for me is um, telling an organization in New Zealand that I was unhappy with the way that they were operating and I couldn't be part of that organization anymore because of the ethical things yeah that they were trying to do and the shortcuts that they were trying to take and the and it wasn't anything illegal or immoral or anything like that but when I said I can't do this anymore I hung the phone up and I was so relieved I could created the space in my world that I could move forward from and fill it with things that made me happy and that to me is success as well create the space you just let things go yeah a lot of courage and a lot of self-awareness really Mm. you knew almost instinctually from what you described what you didn't want and you chose a path that um, allowed you to come to those conclusions on your own terms it's not like you're trying to hurt people in the process it's like I have to you know life is short anyway and I have to keep working towards these things goals happiness success love whatever it is create the space by letting some other things die away Mm. creating that room Mm. fabulous insight Mm. we have to talk about wine how can we not you've been exposed to so many wines from all over the world Mm -hmm. were there any particular phases for lack of a better term that you've gone through when you drank more of this versus that just for your own pleasure yes I well, Pinot Noir for a start. Pinot Noir is a very intriguing wine. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest sort of pieces of the puzzle for me on my journey to becoming a master somme and, and understanding wine was actually going to the place. Ah. I went to Burgundy. I picked Pinot Noir. I did a vintage there. I drank the wine from the place, in that place, and I could smell the vineyard in the wine. So one of the pleasures is being able to 
take that ratatouille moment, go back in time and discover those smells so that when I was in New Zealand and I drank a, a Pinot Noir from Burgundy, it was going, I'm back in that vineyard. I could smell, I could smell it. And it's, you know, human beings are wonderful creatures in that you can, you can smell something and it takes you back to your childhood. Indeed. Immediately takes you there. That's the smell of, you know, the pillow on my mother's bed, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm just back there again, just for that moment in time. Pinot Noir does that. So it's a very fascinating wine mm -hmm. and will always be fascinating to me and not so much to others. But that's one, one of those varieties that I hold on to for those reasons. Conversely, mm -hmm. say an Italian wine, let's say Barolo, Nebbiolo as an example, I find it very intriguing because like, like California Chardonnay, um, there are some fantastic examples, mediocre and a bunch of really boring stuff, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. And Barolo can be like that. But the word Barolo conjures up this idea of um, success and, and um, something that's Status out of symbol. reach. It is. Yeah. You hear the word and you go, boom. You know, people say Burgundy and they get all excited, but Burgundy can be really boring and terrible. And there's some amazing Burgundies as well. Barolos like that and so I find it very intriguing to discover wines that um, make me think and Barolo is a very textural wine mm -hmm. and it has subtlety if you're looking for it and it's very age-worthy as well I paid $28 for a glass of Barolo a short while ago it wasn't the the happiness from a glass of wine didn't match the price oh. by about ten dollars <laughs> i love how precise that is <laughs> and it was a nice wine but it it was it was priced beyond its quality and so i put that down to experience if by some terrible misfortune you were relegated to drink one varietal for the rest of your life would that be pinot noir Probably. Mm -hmm. You're describing is very nuanced, very transparent, very mm. unforgiving mm. because yeah. it shows a sense yeah. of place so yeah. vividly. Yes, but Pinot Noir is very food friendly as well and you can Indeed. have Pinot Noir for breakfast and find a food to go with it. Whereas Cabernet doesn't necessarily do that or Nebbiolo won't do that. Uh, so in, in the red wine camp, probably Pinot Noir and the white wine camp would most likely be Riesling but I'm fascinated by Gewurztraminer mm -hmm. it's one of the most underrated varieties out there so that the the perceptions are all wrong there are there are people who the baby boomers won't go near Gewurztraminer I think for the most part because they expect it to be sweet they expect it to smell like an old lady's handbag, you know, talcum powder and roses. <laughs> and th th they're judging every single example based on that perception, rightly or wrongly. But Gewürztraminer can be the fascinating. It's also hard to pronounce. And, well, true, <laughs> that's a problem. And 
uh, is way more food friendly than people think. Way more food friendly. And um, so, well, I, yeah, I'm, that, I'm exploring that as much as I can. I think even something as simple as this, every Asian food lover tried it with a glass of Gerard's, things might change. You, you will see the trend. <laughs> Absolutely true. Um, personally, I'd put a Riesling with Asian food before Gewurz if I understood the spice. See, this is the sommelier in me going, well, yeah. you know, there are fragrant spices and there are heat spices. <laughs> and if Asian food had heat spices, I couldn't do Gewurz because Gewurz inherently has higher alcohol and heat spices and food and, and alcohol don't like each other. Mm-hmm. But fragrant spices and Gewurz, well, then that's a different that's a different ball game. That's yeah. something I can work with. And, you know, we should have a conversation about wine and food pairing at some point as well. Yes, we should. Because that's a hobby for me. I love wine and food pairing. I love discovering the right combinations. And there's so much to unpack there. There's so many misconceptions, so much noise. I, this is a separate podcast, you guys. That's a promise. But for the purposes of this discussion, I have to ask. You obviously still cook. Mm-hmm. What I are do. your favorite things to make? Well, I am very famous in my family for nachos. Nachos? I'm, mm, I'm very famous what? in my family for risotto. Oh my yeah. goodness, risotto is hard to make. Roasted re- red beet risotto. What? Risotto with um, scallops flamed in Grand Marnier with asparagus and aged Parmesan cheese. I'm very famous for that in my family. I love to cook. Um, fresh seafood. Wow. Yeah. I bet. And I'm trying to master my barbecue at home as an instrument for cooking. I'm not that great on a barbecue, but I'm getting close. <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. though. Yeah. And the pairing for this famed risotto? Well, that, again, the sommelier in me, me, it depends because, you know, red beets are very earthy but Mm -hmm. become sweet. And if I roast them separately and add them in later is different from cooking the beets raw with the base of the risotto. And all my risottos are based on leek. You Mm. have leek and olive oil creates the base. And the stock is very important as well. So... Mm, the majority of the pairings are some kind of chardonnay or something that's got a little bit of oak to it because when you've got oak and wine you've got weight and so long as it's not raw brand new oak that works well with the cheese parmesan cheese and oak works well with you know the herbaceousness in risotto because i like adding herbs to risotto um risottos are great with pinot noir as you know beetroot and pinot noir are a great match Yes. And could I do Cabernet? I've done Cabernet with risotto before. Syrah is probably my second favorite red variety. Like the earthy, cool climate? Syrah is the alternative to Pinot Noir for people who need a break from Pinot Noir. Mm. If you need a, oh, I'm sick of Pinot Noir, go to Syrah. Because then you'll find an adventure, a story, uh, an idea, a chapter of a book in Syrah easily Mm. is this the original recipe i have not heard of i'm sure it exists in other iterations but risotto with beets it's something you came up with um yes i think janet was somebody 
um, who's very got a very very sensitive um, system, and mm-hmm. um, having had gotten over a few sort of cancer scares in the past, yeah, pure really f- pure fresh foods, unadulterated foods, mm. includes things like kale and spinach and beets and things like that, and mm-hmm. they're great foods for the body. Asked me to put it in one day, and it was like, bing, the light goes on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And my granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, loves Cameron's pink risotto, which is basically beetroot stained risotto. But I, I could see the attraction. Yeah. It, the, we eat with our eyes. Yeah. Color alone is a yeah. selling point. Yeah. Granddad, can you make your pink risotto for me? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Is your cookbook somewhere in your future? No. Yeah. But a book that is in my future is working with a chef mm. and doing a dual idea their food my wine brilliant bringing them together and that's, that's really long overdue in general yeah. as a concept yeah i'm so glad mm. are you working on that actively is it something you yeah i've got a couple of people i'm talking to and uh-huh. i i i think i'd probably test the waters through yeah. the magazines first with the chef's recipes and and that and i've i've actually got a magazine for you that I'll give you. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, and it's one that I get published twice a year, mm-hmm. and one winter, one summer, and this is the summer one for for New Zealand. It's got a little bit of Italy in it, and you'll see where the chef's food is and my wine match comes in. So based on the success of that, I'm, oh yeah, there'll be a book there somewhere along the line. I can't wait. You have such a food and wine, of course, marriage made in heaven. You know da da da, but. You really embody that culture. Sitting here and talking to you, I can tell that you have such um, affinity for exploring sensorily in every iteration of that. It's just a natural transition. Mm. I can't. I mean, I haven't had your food, but I can only imagine that it has such a personal touch. That everything that you do yeah. is infused with everything you've learned and experienced. Yeah. And selfishly. The word excellent has to be associated with food and wine. Only eat excellent. If it's not, doesn't hit those high notes for you, don't eat it. If you open a bottle of wine and it's not excellent, don't drink it. Forget the money for a second. Only drink excellent, only eat excellent, and then you'll find yourself uh, enjoying food more and enjoying wine more. If, if you're a kind of person that goes, you know what, I spent $25 on this bottle of wine, I'm going to drink it, damn it, whether I like it or not. Well, that's, yeah. that's, you're wasting time. Life's short. Life is too short to drink poorly or eat poorly for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather eat less and eat well than the, the opposite of that. I don't need to have a big plate of food to be satisfied. I need really lovely food to be satisfied. You know, brother and sister from another mother, I've been consciously aware it since I can't remember when, and I've been saying it um, for a while, and hearing you say that, again, is so validating. And if, if you heard just one thing from this discussion, that takeaway is paramount. It'll change your life. You're based in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I know you travel a ton, but fundamentally New Zealand is home. Is that correct? Correct. Mm. Um, I would imagine you give quite a bit of thought to New Zealand's future, 
from the wine perspective, life perspective, global perspective, share some thoughts um, and maybe some concerns as well um, of what New Zealand represents to the world. Well, the more I travel, the more I realize people have New Zealand as a destination. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've heard so much about your country. I want to go down and visit. And, and increasingly, people have said to me, how do I get to move to New Zealand as well? Mm -hmm. So our reputation is big. It's huge. The big plus for us, I think, is that we are a little tiny place down in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, close to Antarctic. And it's our isolation is our advantage mm -hmm. and I'm excited about an increase in population for mm -hmm. New Zealand it's not that you know about the size of Japan and only five odd million people right I reckon we'd be pretty good at 10 million I'd love to see it double so mm -hmm. long as the infrastructure keeps up with that and currently it's not but our reputation is one that is still based on what people see in the movies and the books in the magazines, the podcasts, what they're, what they're hearing and reading. I just want people to come down and experience it and decide for themselves. We are still very green. We are still very clean. Like I said earlier, we're not without our challenges, but they're small in comparison to all of the successes. And we've got a lot to offer, so much to offer. Come down and see us. And you know the hospitality's there. We have a very strong future in terms of multiple industries from obviously the wine mm -hmm. to um, the agriculture and other things like movies you know we've we've got a rocket ship a rocket company i did there. not know that yeah we have a company that nasa is hiring because we can get a rocket into space cheaper than any other country in the world well how about that yeah and we, we are number eight wire people. Have you heard of that before? Number eight fencing wire people. And it's, it's a saying that we can, take a, we can make anything out of a num number eight fencing wire. Oh my God. Meaning that we, we, we are inventors, we are inventory. We can do things simply cheaper, more straightforward than others. And it's the number eight fencing wire concept. I, yeah, I can fix that. The ingenuity has always come out, but not yeah. in that specific context. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, that's why I was referencing earlier that if there's a problem, I would give it to a New Zealander first. Because mm -hmm. the attitude is not the problem. It's how do you fix it? How right. do you solve it? It's yeah. always how to. It's never, oh my God, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. um, let me, think, it, let me think about it. I'll come up with something. Yeah. Yeah, it, I don't even know what the origin of that is. Is it because there's so many immigrants that comprise the country and the confluence of different know-how generationally? All of the above. Up? All of the above, you know. People that were isolated and just having to, well, I can't buy a new one. I'll fix the one I've got. I love it. Yeah. What's in store for you personally? What's the next frontier? You've achieved so much. What is the next challenge? I think probably what we've touched on, and that is um, being more publicized, yeah. I think, in, in terms of print media, something that I didn't know I was going to get involved with, mm -hmm. but, you know, four magazines in now, yes. just as a, a, as a writer. And I think that 
mm, I'm not sure. I, I don't want uh, TV's not for me. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. I'd, I I'm very happy right now. I think that you know maybe more publication and less wine list writing and more food and wine pairing stuff. You know, if that ended up on TV, that's all cool. Um, I think it's just more people oriented at the end of the day. So people can find you through your website, which by the way, is a beautiful website. Oh, thank you. Um, very informative. You also maintain an Instagram page that's great. Again, informative, entertaining. How else can they find you? Is there something I'm missing? Well, if you Google me, put sommelier at the end of it because mm -hmm. um, the actor Michael Douglas, his son is Cameron Douglas, and yeah. um, he's not a very nice person, I understand. <laughs> Don't want so that I'm not that Cameron <laughs> Douglas. But yeah, Google me. Um, any, I can be reached through my website, through the Quartermaster Sommeliers Brilliant. anytime. Uh, I try to answer as many emails as I can. Um, Instagram's a good way of getting hold of me, frankly. I think that's uh, that messaging system. Yes. Yeah. And to your earlier point, speaking of gracious, you've been most gracious to me, so I have firsthand experience of how generous you are with your time. You're welcome. Thank you. And it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and absolutely to be continued. More to come. My pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson. We'll see you again next week.